Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The podcast with Dan Bardell and Greg Evans. Hello and welcome back to 1874, the podcast. I'm your host, Dan Bardell, joined by the Athletics' Greg Evans. And today we're mainly going to focus on a massive away win for Villa 2-1 at Tottenham Hotspur Sunday afternoon, Greg. And there's one thing that was maybe missing from Villa's CV this season. It was a win away. Well, it was a wins away in general, actually, but a win away at one of the traditional big six teams. And Villa went there, rode their luck, especially in the first half, but came away with three points, Greg. Massive, massive result. And Villa are, are really riding high in the Premier League at the moment. Yeah, huge result. Exactly what they needed. Um, you know, Villa have been brilliant this season. They've been brilliant over the 38 Premier League games that Unai Emery has been in charge of now. Um, I think they've picked up 77 points in those 38 games. So they are a top four team now. You know, that that is a top four team form. Um but yeah, I think just to just to maybe alert everybody else that Villa are serious about staying where they are. They did they did need to go to one of these teams, um, one of these rival clubs, and beat them. And you know, look, we'll get into the the performance, you know, as as the podcast goes on. But the bottom line is, Villa got the job done. They won the game, and that's what they needed. Yeah, sign of a good team sometimes as well. When you can ride out storms and you do rise, you look a little bit and you still come away with the, with the result. Manchester United used to win titles and at times they'd have a run of form where they didn't play particularly well, but they'd just win games by the odd goal and just continue to keep momentum. And I think that's what Villa did yesterday. They just kept that little bit of momentum. They needed something away from home. They needed a positive result and they, they got that win. Before we do move on with the pod, Greg, just a quick word about our sponsors, NordVPN. We'll hear in more detail about them later on in the show. But if you do want to grab your exclusive NordVPN deal, you can go to 1874.io slash NordVPN. And if you do that, you will get a huge discount off the NordVPN plan and you'll also get four months for free. And the good news is it's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee and Greg and I and everyone associated with the channel. Thanks to them for continuing to sponsor this show. So yeah, first half, Greg. 
Villa did ride the luck, as I've said a, a couple of times, a host of chances for Spurs. But I actually thought Postacoglu set Spurs up really well, but he also kind of threw a surprise in there. I don't think Villa would have been prepared for that kind of lineup and that and that kind of system that they went with, with La Celso and Kulazewski kind of playing as, as free eights, the full-backs. Really, really had license to get forward. Brian Hill wide on the left and Brennan Johnson switched over wide to the right. I think that was part of the reason why Villa struggled in the first half because I don't think they prepared for, for that Tottenham lineup because you wouldn't because you just there was nothing, there was no, no body of work to no. guess that that would be what they'd do. And do you think that was a, a reason why Villa did perhaps struggle in that first half? I think it was a combination of a few things. I, I actually think, yeah, I'll take your point and... Villa wouldn't have prepared for that. I mean, it was effectively a team of fullbacks and wingers, wasn't it? For, yeah, for, really uh, for Tottenham, it was so weird, such a weird team. I mean, you know, players that we just haven't seen, you know, play very often. Um, but to be fair to Lasalle, also a player that Villa were interested in over the summer. I thought he was excellent. Um, did very well, faded out in the in the second half, but um, you know, started really well. Brennan Johnson caused some problems. Son, you know, he's always a threat for Tottenham, um, and some of the other players, you know, contributed as and when required, but. I think we can say that perhaps Emery got it wrong in the first half. I think it looked like he tried to play a, a you know a five three two, but it was almost four four two, wasn't it? It was just they never really got into you know the, the shape just didn't look right. I think they were pulled apart a little bit too often by Tottenham. Perhaps you know the surprise element of the the players that were that were on the pitch. But look, there's no denying Tottenham were by far the superior team in the first half. It was. I was worried actually, in the, not so worried about the result. Uh, sorry, the the scoreline because you know Villa was still in it, but the amount of chances that they that they actually conceded, and um, you know over the duration of the game, they faced more shots on goal than they have in any other game this season, and you know that was even more than the defeats to Newcastle and and Liverpool. So I think there are a few problems there which Emery recognises. He knows that Villa need to be better against the uh, the top teams if they're going to sustain this. Um, you know, and, and really, really threaten uh, to to stay where they are in the in the league. Um, but the the promising thing and the positive about this Villa side is that they're just always a threat going forward. And I think the longer the game went on, the more in control of the game Villa were. And as soon as they took the lead, I, I fancied them to to, to ride it out because I felt like Tottenham had just. Um, lost a little bit of their creativity and lost their way a bit and were just getting frustrated and tried forcing things towards the end. Yeah, you touched on the setup there at the start. It was the normal 4-4-2, but I think off the ball, perhaps he wanted McGinn and Cash to, to drop in, like Villa did last season very, very well when they came away from Tottenham Hotspur with, with three points. That right-hand side for Villa, that, that did cause us problems. It, it didn't yeah. work. I think Concer never really looked sure about where he was supposed to be at right back and Cash got run ragged and had a really difficult first half as well. Maybe lucky to, to stay on the pitch. I felt that side was the side that, that caused Villa problems. I will say, you know, I called Diego Carlos to play in our preview show. I thought he made some really important last ditch in, interventions. It was good to see him back in the back in the team again, but I did feel like Concer just never looked comfortable. You know, when Villa play that high line and they play the offside trap and Concer, when he's yeah. playing right centre-back, he looks like he knows exactly what he's doing. His body language at right back just looked completely different, and as I've just said, Cash also had problems in front of him as well. Yeah, and, and I think I think Dino and Torres, you know, they had issues as well. You know, uh, Tottenham were coming quite strong down that side at times too. Uh, I thought Dino was exposed a little bit, um, but look, you know, collectively they all they all kind of made amends uh, in the second half. The first half was poor. You know, Villa very very lucky not to to concede a penalty early on. 
through through Diego Carlos. But I think again, as as he grew, did you think that was a pen? Well, at first, when I was first watching it, I didn't. I didn't. I couldn't see. I thought, you know, that the, there was the handball. Wasn't a potential handball was there from Conza, which I thought, you know, that that, what, that that wasn't a penalty. But then it was only when I watched the replays that I that I could see. Well, actually, you know, surprised that VAR haven't haven't had a look at that. Well, you know, it's one that they've missed again. Um, you know, there's there's something in the Premier League, regardless of the the, the teams who are playing. That we talk about every week that VAR get wrong and it, you know, it's very frustrating for I think football in general that you know we still can't get this consistency. Look, great for Villa, they got away with that one. Um, I think, yeah, I probably, yeah, I think it should have been a penalty. Yeah, I think you know, Carlos was quite lucky. He sort of had his elbow around it. You know, kind of headlocked him almost, didn't he? Gil? Yeah. But I, I don't think that you know the, they weren't going to get the ball or anything, was he? It, it wasn't a case of he was stopping him from getting the ball because Villa were able to clear anyway, but. I just think, you know, you can't do that in the box. So Villa were fortunate with that. I think they were quite fortunate that Tottenham didn't, you know, score more than they did in the game. The expected goals, the third highest of, expected goals against, sorry, was the third highest of the season, 2.64, I think it was. Uh, you know, already mentioned the most shots on, uh, most shots faced this season. So, yeah, a few, few worrying issues, a few worrying things for Villa there. Um but look, the halftime changes gave Villa a lot more control. Um, I think Cash is probably more suited a little bit deeper rather than... Um, Starting high. I think so. I think, look, certain games it's worked well for him, hasn't it? You know, you look at... Um, Burnley away, he was good there. Yeah, I think against the the lower ranked teams, you know, Dina and, and, and Cash are going to get on the ball more often and they're going to be able to use their attacking qualities um, against... Tougher teams like that, I think they need more of a compact, um, narrower formation almost. Yeah, it was. But no, I'm not. Can't get away from it. Villa were very fortunate not to be not to go more than one down in that in that first half. Spurs, Spurs were very good. You got to give them credit. They've got so many players missing as well. You saw the list of absentees that they had. You know, to to field the side and have the game that they had. I think is credit to them and credit to Postecoglou because I think he's got them playing some lovely, lovely football and he's wedded to his style. But I almost think. Yeah, so so you should be. That, you know, that's that's people going about Plan Bs and stuff. Oh, I don't really massively believe in, in Plan B. Spurs were very unfortunate yesterday. You know, they've had their shooting boots on. They'd have been out of sight in 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 that first half. I will say there was an element of it. You know, Spurs had a goal or two disallowed in that first half. I will say there's an element of it that's kind of by design with Villa again with that offside oh, yeah. trap and being high up. Like people look at it as riding their luck, but it's. Such a military operation that Villa have honed and Villa have got it really down to a T now. You know, regularly teams are having goals chalked off against Villa from tight offsides. But Villa really know what they're doing with that and they're they're executing it very well. I know I haven't actually read it yet, but I know Jacob was writing about it in the Athletic Villa's offside trap. It's a really useful skill and a useful piece of armory that Villa have got in their game. I mean, it's it's just it's just brilliant defending, you know. It's it's a it's it's just a very very well organised defensive unit, um, and it's you know. Repetition over and over, working on things to to make it work. And if you think back to the Tottenham game last season, I know it was under a different manager, but it was very similar then, wasn't it? I think how many times Son and I think Kane was it at the time we were offside. Yeah. Kane playing that game, I think he did, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. I just remember Son being offside so many times in the game. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, it was very similar. It's just a tactic. It's just a. It's just a plan that Villa are, are brilliant at at working at now, and it's. You know, I I take your point saying that you know the play, uh, managers should shouldn't have to change and shouldn't go shouldn't go to a plan B. But Emery's 
um, philosophy doesn't change too much, but he does have tweaks. different tweaks which make Villa at times a little bit tougher to beat, a bit a bit more unpredictable going forward. And look, I really like Pastor Cogley. I really like what Tottenham are about. I enjoyed actually watching them. You know, I thought they were a good team over the last few weeks, even though they've lost all those three games. Um, but perhaps, you know, when <laughs> they've just got so many injuries, they just need, might need to just tighten up a little bit. It just... It feels like it's a bit gung-ho at times. It felt like they tried to curtail Villa the pace. They were a little bit worried about Villa's pace, hence why Eric Dyer, who is a natural centre-back, didn't play. And it was Emerson Royale and Ben Davis at centre-back, which was maybe a, a little bit of a surprise. But Villa didn't really get Watkins or Diaby into the game in that first half at all. And eventually Villa conceded that, that first goal. And it was eerily similar to the Liverpool away game, that, that goal, the kind of corner bouncing across everyone and then a midfielder on the edge of the box hitting it, hitting it well, albeit this time. that the, There was a deflection, but that, that goal was eerily similar to the, to the Liverpool game, wasn't it? Uh, later on in the game, of course, but it was a very similar goal. Yeah. Yeah, and look, really disappointing for Martin, as you could see how frustrated he was, because I think he'd have probably saved it, wouldn't he? Um, it was just the deflection that took him out of the way, and he almost kind of thought, ah, no, straight away. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously... <laughs> no, yeah, he was he was he was disappointed. Not much more Diego Carlos could have done, really. I think he just kind of tried to block it, didn't he? And got very unfortunate. Um, you want your defenders to 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 put their bodies on the line, and that's what he was trying to do. So, yeah, disappointing. Uh, but it was coming, wasn't it? He kind of yeah, felt that. It. Kind of felt that he just knew that was coming. But I thought Villa's reaction was great, and you know they flew up the other end and almost scored through Watkins. And uh, that's so just a, that's just a classic, you know, example of how good Villa are now, and how how they've always got this threat going forward. Um, you know, it was the same against West Ham, wasn't it? And you think of West Ham had that really intense spell of pressure, and then Watkins went up the other end and scored. You know, there are so many occasions like that now where Villa are a real threat on the on the break, and that's what makes it so hard for opponents coming up against them. Now they can pepper the goal at times, like. Like Tottenham did yesterday, but they've got to always be aware that that Liverpool that, that Villa are going to have um, plenty going forward to to cause them problems too. Yeah, it was really unfortunate that because it was a per- it was a perfect response and says a lot about the mentality w- within this team. Heads didn't drop; they just went down the other end and thought we better start playing here. And lovely ball from from Luca Dean and Watkins. It couldn't be any tighter. It was. I don't know whether you whether you watched it live on TV yesterday, but from the one angle you looked on side. And from the angle that they drew the lines on, it obviously turned out to, to, to be offside. I know they go from not the the clearest reference point, but it was quite bizarre to look at it. From the one angle, you thought, if they draw lines there, he looks onside. And then from the angle they <laughs> used, he ended up being offside. But lovely ball in and uh, really unfortunate because it was a good header from Watkins as well. Yeah, and I think it's a little bit different in terms of that isn't Tottenham mastering their defence and no. keeping Villa, you know, offside. It's it's a little bit different. You know, we can look at Son's goals uh, that it, that, it, that that were disallowed um, and say that Villa have played, you know, really clever, um, you know, a specific plan. But with, with with that, it was just a little bit different. Um, and yeah, you know, the the angles that I look back on the replay, you know, one side he looked completely offside, the other side he didn't, and. Perhaps that explains why it takes a little bit longer to make these decisions and why supporters inside the stadium are getting even more frustrated now because they're having to wait two, two and a half, three minutes for a verdict. Because if you look at it from the one angle, it looks offside. You think, well, you know, we we, we can do that in 10 seconds, he's offside. But then these different angles show up different, you know, views and 
Yeah, let's not get into VAR. It's too depressing. No, not, not, <laughs> not the time for VAR today. We'll cover that at another point. I'm sure there'll be something again in the next few weeks that, that we question to do, to do with VAR. But you know, the game's the game. He was he was offside. They've, they've given it. Fair enough. You you move on. I'm not just saying that because we won, but you, you do just have to move on from it because they'll be the same kind of thing. What could happen and go in, in Villa's favour on another occasion? Crucial goal just before half time. This really swung the momentum of the game. That that Pau Torres goal. Villa weren't at it. Hadn't been good at all. Had struggled to get forward players into the game. Incidentally, Pau Torres had missed a decent chance to put Villa one nil up from a yeah. from a header from a set piece. He found the space nicely and a little bit unlucky. I think he kind of put it back where it came from. In it was a, it was a decent header, but it but it went just wide. But that ball in from Douglas Louise. It doesn't get any better than that from a from from a dead ball. That is a ridiculously good ball because that ball's come a, come a long way to keep the momentum and keep the flight on the ball. That it's just an unbelievable set piece from Douglas Luiz. He's actually not an easy header from Pau Torres either. He's he's finished it really really well. So, bit unjustified because Tottenham had been by far the better team, but to score a set piece goal just on half time, albeit a really good one. That moment has completely changed the complexion of that game because I'm sure if Spurs go in one nil up, it isn't the same game. No, no. Look, a really, really important time for Villa to score. Um, it clearly lifted them. It was great to see Torres, you know, looking so so pleased with the with the goal. He was genuinely delighted, wasn't he? I love to see goal celebrations like that. Um, a really tough header, actually. Yeah, I mean, he sort of curled it all the way back across across goal, didn't he? And into that front post, it was a um, you know a, a lovely connection. And a brilliant ball in from Louise. I mean, you know, we talked a couple of years about a couple of years ago about Villa needing like a set piece specialist. Remember when Conor Harahan left, and we were, th- you know, we were thinking we haven't really got anyone actually who can score consistently from set pieces and put really good deliveries into the box. Douglas Louise was not signed to be that guy, but he's been transformed into that guy. And um, what we're seeing now is a variety of assists from you know various. Angles, you know, corners, free kicks. He takes penalties, doesn't he? So he is Villa set piece specialist now, and um, you know, increasing in value every single week. It was a, a, a bit a week of kind of mixed emotions for him, really. You know, returning to the the Brazil national squad, but then obviously having um, you know coming off the bench in, in in two games that were pretty disappointing for for Brazil. Um, you know, they've got a few problems there, haven't they? They're, they're struggling to get results at the moment, and I think sixth in the in the World Cup qualifying, which will just about squeeze them into the World Cup. I'm sure they'll get in, but um, clearly results aren't aren't going as good as, as they should. But for Louise, yeah, I mean, he's just, you know, he's riding, um, uh, you know, a, a wave of emotion at the moment. I think he's he's doing really well for Villa, scoring and assisting regularly. Um, and yeah, you know, it's good to, good to hear Emery say after the game that he thinks he's happy at the club and you know, let's not try talking about interest from elsewhere. No, nah, there's no way... Louise is going this this you know, this window coming up absolutely. Well, look, no Arsenal are not going to spend Arsenal going to spend seventy eighty million pound on another on another midfielder, are they? And they've just spent a hundred on Declan Rice. And I mean, look, you know, I'm just seventy I'm, on Havertz. Yeah, I'm plucking that figure out of you know thin air, but he's he's probably worth that, isn't he? He's arguably worth more at the moment. I honestly don't see a weakness to his to his game at all. I think maybe he's been a little bit more under, understated. In, in the last few games, but sometimes when you don't notice him, it just shows that, you, that he's doing his job. Him and Kamara yeah. in the in the middle of the park. That they are a high level partnership. They could go down as one of the best central midfield partnerships that's ever been seen at Villa Park. I think I honestly think they're they're that good. Those two, that both really high level footballers that you know uh, 
kind of in and around the France and the Brazil setups. You know, this is how good they are. And then yeah. at the other end as well, you've got the best goalkeeper in the world. Absolutely no doubt about that. We'll, we'll come on to him shortly. And I think Villa have also got the, the perfect striker in, in Ollie Watkins. So a really, really good place this club is in at the moment and riding high in the, in the league as, as well. Villa made some changes at half-time, Greg. So... I'm not sure whether Diaby was injured. I haven't read anything or whether it, whether it was tactical. You might know better, better than me, but it was Diaby and rightly so Cash that, that went off in the, in the, in the, sec, in the second half of, well, to, to appear in the second half. Cash was going to get sent off. I think, you know, <laughs> the, the Tottenham fans were giving They're it on to all, all, all. So actually, let's go back. Oh, shit, I've got my mic over. Let's go, let's go back a little bit, actually. I forgot to, to cover that Cash booking, you know. Tottenham fans are very, very upset about it. I understand why they're upset because they've just got a really good footballer back in Benton Kerr and he had a massive foothold in the game. I've got to say he was having a very good time in in the middle of the park with the two three eights in, in front of him. Cash has made a frustrated challenge. It, it, it's not a great tackle. I don't think it's anywhere near being a red card. I think it's a yellow card challenge all day. I don't think it's malice. I think it's just mistimed and a, and a little bit late and the ref dealt with it and giving him a yellow card but the unfortunate thing is Benton Kerr has just come back from a really bad injury and he's gone off again so Spurs fans are going to be really upset by that but I did think taking him off at half time was the, was the right call because I did think he was going to get sent off Matty Cash I felt like Villa were going to get a, get a second yellow from somewhere just with the hostile crowd they were getting mm. annoyed and the ref maybe sometimes bow down to pressure it did feel like taking him off on a yellow I mean there was other players on a yellow for Villa as well did think like I felt like that was the, the right thing to do. But it, that 12th man, Leon Bailey, coming on again. And Tillemans came on and had a really good game as well. I tweeted last night that a few years ago, Villa's only sub that they ever made was either El Ghazi for Trezeguet or Trezeguet for El Ghazi. There was, there, was, there was no other sub. Now they're bringing on Leon Bailey, who is in really good form at the moment, and Yuri Tillemans, who I've always really, really rated. Bringing on players like that just puts Villa in such a good position because Spurs, with all their injuries, they didn't have those kind of high-level options off the bench, really. No. No, and I mean, a lot, a lot to digest there, Dan. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I rambled let, on. Let's, go, let's, let's start with Cash and, and Benton Kerr. I think, yeah, look, a little bit of a late challenge. Um, not 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 reckless. You know, he's not he's not that type of player. He's He plays a little bit on the edge, but he's not wild and reckless. It's unfortunate um, that he injured Doherty, didn't he, a few, a few years ago at Villa yeah. Park? And Spurs fans have remembered that. Do, do you think they did? Or do you, do you I think, think they definitely did. I, I, think, I thought it was 100%. more... Ah, okay, okay. I thought it was more because they were so frustrated at losing Benton Court. I think it was again, um, you know, on the back of all the injuries that they've got. Uh, and it was kind of like, look, you know, let's get this. Let's get on the back of this player who's done this to us. So, um, but yeah, you know, Villa were a little bit, um, a little bit loose in that first half. I think Kamara, McGinn, maybe Konza as well got got bookings. Did, was it all, all three of those? No, McGinn and Kamara definitely McGinn and Kamara did, definitely did, and it was Cash. I'm not sure there was another one in the first half. Yeah, maybe Konza, but correct me if I'm wrong later. But um, if I, I, the first thing I thought, you know, when we were at, when we were at about 40, 42 minutes was, I bet two of those or one of those three will be taken off at half-time. And Cash felt like maybe the the more obvious one out of the three, um, just because, yeah, the fans were on to him. Uh, you know, it felt like the system wasn't totally right. Um, and, if, and I kind of thought that you know Villa need to take off one of the central defenders or one of the you know fullbacks and, and push one of the central defenders. You know, either way, if they're going to do that. So, so yeah, it didn't surprise me that Cash came off. I thought Bailey was good. I thought he was much better than Diaby. Um, Diaby had a quiet game. Couldn't really, couldn't really get on the ball. Could he? Couldn't stretch to the defence. Um, didn't 
really link up with Watkins at all. And I thought there was a big difference when Bailey come on. Um, so, yeah, it w- wouldn't be a surprise to see him perhaps start the next Premier League game at, at Bournemouth, depending on what they do at Big I really Warsaw. don't think he will. You know, I think they've got him down as this guy's the guy to come on and change the game. Cause you're, you're in pack sub, yeah. every week. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, I know, but like, uh, he starts the Europa League games, doesn't he? Yeah, but I think I actually think Bailey's enjoying being that 12th man. Not quite often players want, want to play, and I, and I get that. But Bailey seems to be reveling just in, you know, running at tired legs because he's, fre- he's fresher. It seems to just yeah. be working really well. So I don't know, really, I don't think Emery should change it in the Premier League because that is something that he's working. Look, if, you, if you're a player and you're getting half a game, you're half happy, aren't you? You know, it's not like a late a late um, substitution where you, you're only getting 10, 15 minutes to have a go at defenders. But you're getting a full half. So there's you're, you're feeling included, but there's always, you know, you want that little bit more. You want to be the... The starter, really, the the main man, and and Bailey, you know, he's a guy who needs to play with a bit of confidence. He's got that bit of an ego, like wingers and all good forwards have. You know, you need that arrogance almost, and he's got a little bit of that back this season. I thought he's he that he's handling the ball was excellent yesterday. I thought he passed and, and moved the ball well. He held the ball up well at times. He stretched the defence and carried the ball well when he needed to. Um, He's always going. He's always looking to score, isn't he? He's going to shoot a little bit more often than than Diaby. You can see that, you know, in his game. He wants to. He wants to be the the headline hugger almost. Um, but look, I think those changes at halftime changed the game for Villa. Tillemans coming on gave them a bit more control in midfield, and Bailey offered more than Diaby going forward. 1874 is proudly sponsored by NordVPN, so when the Villa are playing and you can't watch it, we want to help you. NordVPN is a secure and private service which works on pretty much any device, including your laptop, mobile and your smart television. So if you want to watch some live content, it allows you to appear like you're in another country. And whilst you're connected, no one else can find out what you're doing, including your internet service provider. Beyond this, the service also has threat protection baked in to protect you from intrusive website ads and malware, which is pretty handy for you. 
As part of NordVPN supporting 1874, they have given us an exclusive deal of up to 65% off and four months for free. This also includes Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. All you've got to do is go to 1874.io slash NordVPN and sign up. All the details are also in the description. Also, this November, NordVPN are also promoting Movember, which is a charity based in the UK which raises money to help fight mental health, suicide, prostate cancer and testicular cancer. All are amazing causes and NordVPN has added a donation feature to their checkout which enables new users to donate £1, £5 or £10 or whatever the customer decides to donate. And even better, NordVPN will match every donation. As always, we're very grateful to anyone that signs up. We know that money is tight, but if you think NordVPN will help you out, it will also help keep the channel running and help us too. Do you think, see, I've talked about Bailey enjoying being the 12th man. I don't think Yuri Dillamans is the kind of character that enjoys being someone that's coming on. I think he wants to start games. Was he perhaps unfortunate to miss out after how good he was last time out? Yeah, a little bit. It was, that was the main surprise, really, in the starting lineup, wasn't it? I, 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 I didn't. I thought he would play. I thought Villa would go more rigid four four two, but they tried something a little bit different. Um, and yeah, look, he come off the bench and did well, didn't he? He, he gave Villa more control in the midfield. Um, just passed the ball nicely. Was always an out ball, and he helped to sort of like stretch that those tired um, Tottenham legs. I thought. Yeah, ball for the goal as well. Assist. Yeah. Yeah. So he's making an impact in terms of, you know, goal contributions now, Tillemans as well, getting getting assists when 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 he's coming on. I think that might be his third. Although his one didn't count really, did it because it ended up being an own goal. But you know, it was another assist off the bench for him. He got one against Crystal Palace as well. That's what he's good at, isn't he? Mm. Working the ball and finding the, the angle to make a pass that maybe other people don't see. And he's put it through to Watkins and Watkins has finished it with absolute aplomb. Yeah, lovely finish. Uh you know, watched him in his in his game for England and, you know, di- didn't really do much in, in the game, didn't do much for Villa yesterday, um, but just showed that elite level finishing when he when he needed to, you know, very very similar in some ways actually to Haaland at, at, in, on the Saturday game, you know, didn't touch the ball very often, but when he needed to, he really, he really did, he really did the business and that's what you want from Watkins, you know he's going to do that now, he, look, He's going to miss a few chances. The, the 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 strikers that miss the most chances in the Premier League are Haaland, Watkins, and Nunes. They're going to miss chances because they get so many. But you know, Watkins sticks so many away, and he's so important to Villa. Um, and again, he showed it yesterday. I still think he's absolutely perfect for Villa. He's always going to have a few detractors because of, like you say, the missed chances. But I think that just shows a complete lack of understanding because you've just explained it perfectly. He misses chances because he because he gets more chances than exactly. most forwards get. He's so, so good. And he has scored the winner now or important goals in so many games for Villa over the last three years, in particular since Emery's come in. This last year, you know, Douglas Louise has been Villa's best player under Emery. I don't, I don't dispute that. But Watkins is not far off. And his goal output now is, is just staggering. He's going to go on and be Villa's record Premier League striker in terms of goals now that he's signed that, that new contract. He's so, so good. And he's just perfect for Villa. And he's perfect for Emery. I, I won't take, I won't accept any criticism of him. I think he's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, to be, to be fair, Dan, I think you said maybe a year ago, didn't you, that you know Watkins could go on and become Villa's all-time record goal scorer in the Premier League. And I wasn't so sure about that because I didn't think he would, A, get... Um, enough goals in each season to get there and be, be at Villa long enough. But I, think, I don't think I actually said it around this time last year. I think what, what I was, the 
Dromai was banging constantly, even before Emery came in under Gerard, was that people think there's this mythical striker that Villa can go and get that's this number nine that's going to get 20, 25 goals. And I said, that striker's not there. Villa have got the perfect striker. We're just not playing very well under Gerard. Mm. Watkins was, I think, had a good start to the season under Gerard in terms of all-round game. He just wasn't getting the chances. We've given him the chances under Emery. Emery's refined his game and he's worked with Emery's coaches and has kept himself more central and just worked on little things within his game. And I've just always thought, there isn't this better striker out there. I will die on that hill. There is not a better striker out there for Villa than, than Ollie Watkins. I think he's tremendous. Yeah, and he, you know he's off penalties as well now, isn't he? So his goals are all coming from open play, which is you know, perhaps even more impressive because you look at a lot of strikers over the years and they top up their numbers through penalties. You know, Watkins isn't going to be taking penalties for Villa no more. So he's getting into really good positions still. He can score with both feet. You know, you see those lovely one-touch shoot finishes. Um, decent in the air as well, hasn't he? He's scored, yep. scored a fair few goals with his head. So, so yeah, really important player. And I think you're right. You know, Villa are going to find it really, really hard to get a better striker in than him. Um, it's good to see Duran come off the bench. You know, and, and lovely slider, lovely slider as well. You know, another another real uh, positive from from the game. And I think if you just look through, you mentioned it at the start, Danny. Look through Villa's bench now. And even when you go through the top teams, I mean, Man City, for example. Man yeah, City have got a much better starting team than Villa, let's be honest, OK? They're higher value, better quality. But look through the bench and they didn't have many options to, to turn to on uh, on Saturday. You know, yeah. in what was their biggest game of the season. So, okay. They didn't make a sub. I, can't, I don't think they made a sub, did they? Um, no, I don't think and they that, And that happens, that happens a lot. They don't make a sub. Yeah, and, you know, okay, a couple of injuries still, you know, Kevin De Bruyne the the main one, of course, but um, you look across the squad, and you know Man United's strength isn't isn't that deep. Tottenham have got lots of injuries at the moment. Um, okay, Liverpool are very strong. Newcastle have got lots of injuries. You know, there's an argument for to say that Villa are one of the best equipped teams. You know, at the moment in terms of resources uh, and options to bring Tielemans, Bailey, Ramsey, and perhaps to a lesser extent Duran off the bench. You know, it's, it's pretty strong, isn't it? And Moreno was sat on there as well, wasn't he? He was back, back, on, back on the bench as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I just think the club's in such a healthy and, and such a good place. And Brendan Remings have been out for the entirety of the season. Ramsey and Moreno have been out for the entirety of the season, just, just making their way back now. And that's, that's the other thing about Watkins. I don't want to curse him. <clears> I need to desperately I'd touch the wood on my desk because I've cursed Mings before the Newcastle game and he ended up getting injured. But yeah, how durable is he as well? He plays every yeah. Premier League game. I know he got taken off yesterday, but you know, usually plays... 90 minutes as well. And I think of Everton, who've got a good striker in Calvert-Lewin, but really, really struggles with, with, with injuries. There was another one that popped. Newcastle, Isak Wilson, and Wilson, Wilson quite often get, get yeah. injured, don't they? Watkins yeah. is worth his waiting goal for Villa for so many reasons. He's just unbelievable. I, I can't speak highly enough of, of Ollie Watkins as a forward player for Villa. I can't. No, and, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a lot more that we could go into. You know, his willingness to work hard, he's... Uh, tactical flexibility, you know, he's, he's played different roles for different managers and, you know, and still performed really well. Um, the, his dedication to always want to improve. He doesn't cause any problems around he's the place. Nice guy there's, as well. There's just, there's, there's, there's so much going for him. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, Villa have got a, a top-class striker on their hands. Yeah, I felt we haven't spoke since the international break. I felt sorry for him in the England game because those two games were absolutely tedious and it's almost like he's not done himself any favours in some ways in, in, in that game. But no one did really in, in, in either match. It wasn't like England played played well at all. He was just on the periphery of the game. But I think whoever had been playing up top 
might have been on the periphery of the game. Kane came on and kind of forced an own goal from, from a corner. But those both those two games, the November international break, it's pretty tedious because England had qualified and it just felt like no one wanted to get hurt. And you know, people will say, oh, is he good enough to be the backup to Kane? Yeah, they're different types of players, yes, but absolutely he's good enough to be that second striker for England. Absolutely. You know, the, the, that second striker has, has changed a fair bit over the years, hasn't it? Calvert-Lewin, Calvert-Lewin was, the, was the guy at one point who was getting closer. Wilson obviously went to the World Cup ahead of Watkins. I think Watkins is the guy now. Um, I hope he's done enough in training. I hope Gareth Southgate likes him enough to put him in that squad for the for the next Euros. Because um, I think he'll, I think he deserves it. You know, I think he's worked his his socks off. He's proven for okay, Villa are a, a higher ranked team now, but he's proven for a, a relatively low to middle ranking team in previous years that he can go and score goals. Um, you know, when the service hasn't been as good. So. I think in, in an England team, he'll score lots of goals. It's just whether he, it's whether he gets those opportunities, isn't he? Because Kane's always going to play yeah. in um, tournaments. I think Tone is his biggest threat when he comes back because I think he does more of the stuff that, that Kane does. Perhaps if you wanted to have a more like-for-like replacement, I think Tony probably gives you that more so than, than Watkins. So when he comes back, I think he's probably his, his biggest competition, I would say, to get, to get in that Euro squad. Kind of covered the Spurs game. Actually, great three points, as as we've said. Really big win for Villa. Just whilst we're on the, the talking about internationals, we've covered Louise, we've covered Watkins. It's reconcert while he was away for England, Greg. <laughs> on Armas, look, I'm going to get slated here. I like Southgate. He does a lot of things that I don't like. But generally, I think he's done a really good job for England. And people say England have done well in spite of him. I disagree with that completely. Although he does do a lot of things that frustrate me. I thought his treatment of concert on international duty was quite bizarre for him to be the only outfielder that didn't even get a minute on the pitch. I thought that was really, really strange and a bit tough to take in some ways for concert, I would imagine. Yeah, I think look, I, I haven't spoke to, I haven't spoken to concert or people close to him, so I don't know the full feeling of of how that international break went for him. I think it would have been one of mixed emotions. He would have been really happy to be in the squad. Um, I thought he handled himself well when he was um, uh, in the press conference. You know, he was asked lots of questions about how much he wanted to be here, etc., and how long he'd had to wait. And I, I think he, I think he handled himself really well. I would have liked to have seen him play, you know, purely because I've, I've followed him for, I followed his journey for a fair few years now, and I think he deserved minutes in in those games. Um, to be the only person that didn't play. Would would probably be going through your head a little bit. Why couldn't I just got on? He would have been desperate to to have made his you know international debut because look, football things can change in football so quickly. I'm I'm hoping you know this doesn't jinx him in any way, but an injury could can come. The uh, dunk might get called back into the next squad ahead of him because look, he was called up because he pulled out, wasn't it? I'm not having dunk over concert at but, all. And neither am I. Neither am I. But look, if Southgate likes him, then there's nothing we can do. Is that? Um, so, you know, things can change very quickly in football and that just might have been his one opportunity to play for England. He might never get the chance again. You know, let's, fingers crossed, we're not being too dramatic here and he does, but um, it would have just been a little bit disappointing for him. He would have been really pleased to get in the squad, but disappointed not to feature. So, yeah, shame really. Yeah, I watched Dunk. I've watched a fair bit of Brighton this season. I, you know, when Mings was suffering because he was almost doing too much. Even though I still mm. loved him to bits and wax lyrical about him, that, that was something that was, was levelled at him. And I think, you know, Emery simplified his game when he was playing. When I watch Bryce, I feel that with Lewis Dunk, just doing just doing too much, going into areas he doesn't need to get get involved in. He obviously got sent off at the, at the weekends. Well, Concer is an infinitely better defender than Lewis Dunk, in my opinion. He's younger. 
probably got similar amount of Premier League games, I'm, I'm going to imagine. Conta's come through the age groups as well, which is something Southgate usually really, really likes. I can't understand why you wouldn't even give him, like, 20, 30 minutes. Also, you could lose him to another country still. As well. I don't think you will, but you could lose him to, to another country. You know, Dunk's been given chances here and there for England at the moment. I think he's England's fourth centre-half. Southgate seems a lot of that fourth centre-half to be someone with who's experienced, a bit like Connor Cody was the fourth centre-half yeah. for a number of years, even though he didn't really ever play. It feels like Dunk's kind of taken over that position. Can't yeah, say, and you, can't you, are suited to international football. I think so. And it's, look, he's, he's going to be really up against it for the Euros. I mean, look, that's got to I be on it. Make it. Ev- everyone's mind now with, what, six, seven months out is, am I going to make the Euro squad? And the fact that it's a, what, 23-man squad when he... You know, is that definite now? Well, I think I think it is, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's 23. Yeah. I have to double-check. But, you know, previously they've been 26, haven't they? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm pretty sure it is because Southgate spoke about it after the game and he said, look, you know, I will. what I'll have to do is think, uh, you know, much deeper about who I'll bring in, whether players can play various positions. Um, so he's going to be looking for versatile players. And to an extent, Konza can do that. He can play right back, he can play centre-back in a two or in a three. But I just think with the options that, you know, England have got, it's going to be it's going to be quite a tough one for him to get in, isn't it? Yeah, Gay is definitely the third choice. Tamori's ahead of him and it appears Dunk's ahead of him as well and Maguire and Stones are, are gimmies. In that and then, you, you know, you look at Walker could potentially play, you could, you could look great, at Walker yeah. as a centre-back if, you know, they really need it. They're going to need, you know, really experienced, versatile players, players who have been in tournaments before and, yeah, it, it might just be a tough one for him. But look, you know, it's it's a Good it's another it's another tick on his you know you know another box ticked for him in his career. Um, and look, you know, his form for Villa's sensational. So I'm sure he'll be fine. I know it won't be, but it does always feel personal with Villa. Itself, <laughs> Jack had to wait so long to to, to get call ups, and he, then even when he did get the call ups, he wouldn't start. And then he joined Man City. He didn't have the best first season, but suddenly was starting games for, for for England. You know, it's just it always feels like there's that little bit of a vendetta from Southgate against <laughs> against Villa players. And Mings got took out and took ages to get back in. Watkins as well. up a bit harshly missed out, didn't he? At times, now, yeah. Yeah, it just always feels like there's a little bit of a vendetta against Villa for for, for Southgate. I know. Yeah, that I mean, look, there the, the, definitely is. There definitely isn't. But I think you know, support groups of supporters often feel that way, don't they? You ask any group of supporters, and they'll say oh, we gave it away in the last minute. It's typical Tottenham or typical Chelsea or it's typical Bristol Rovers. You know, everyone, every, every, every group of supporters say the same. But, um, yeah, I, I think, uh, I think, I think Villa as a team, they, uh, Southgate might have looked at them previously and thought, well, you know, as I say, they were a low to middle ranking team. So can those players, you know, have those players got the big game experience to go and do it in a tournament that really matters? And you can then look at perhaps reasons why they go more towards Man City and Chelsea and Liverpool and Man United back then, you know, when they were used to going to, into European games and winning titles, etc. Um, but look, there's no excuse now. If a Villa player is performing well and, you know, look, we start, said at the start of the season, uh, sorry, start of the podcast, over 38 games, Villa have won 24 of those games and they've picked up 77 points. They're a top four team now. Yeah, so with that in mind, then I did put a tweet out before before the show asking where people think think Villa are, are going to finish. If we put you on the spot, Greg, now, if you had to predict where Villa are going to finish this season, I know you won't like doing this at all. It's not your bag. Yeah, I'm I don't like predictions player. like this. It's too, it's too early into the season for me and it's like I, I would really, I really need to see more... I'm, I'm, I was quite concerned by the way that Tottenham played through Villa uh, with a with a makeshift side, and I think if they play like that against Arsenal 
and Man City, um, albeit it's at home, so it's a different you know different environment. Anywhere, I do think they'll get punished. Um, I st- I'm struggling to say an exact position. I still think Man City, Liverpool, and Arsenal will finish above them, Same. and then I think Villa Villa will finish fourth, fifth, or sixth. I said fifth at the start of the season, and now I'm going to stand by that. I'm going to I'm going to stick with that prediction. Actually, made a few bets with Chelsea fans from Sky Sports News that the Villa would finish ahead of Chelsea. So at the moment, I'm on for a I'm for a bit of money from 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 a couple. Yeah, of Yeah, that that feels quite safe, doesn't it? The the the, yeah. the, the worrying. They were almost laughing at me for making a bet at the start <laughs> of the season. I couldn't understand why they thought it was so ridiculous and that they took the bet. New Newcastle are still a concern. For me, for, for Villa, I think, because if they go out of the Champions League, well, look, they might still have European football. I think the unpredictable nature of Newcastle's season now is they don't know whether they're going to be playing in the Champions League, the Europa League, or nowhere at all, or no, um, nowhere at all. Did a, did a thumb up just come up on yours? That must be something on my high tech laptop that I certainly don't know what this technology is. Look back that in the past. Should we try it again? See if another one comes up. I really enjoyed that, Greg. The, the, the thumbs up while you were talking. Did you put your thumb up at that, at that point? Put my thumb up, yeah. The, the camera, I don't, know, I don't know what happened, but uh, it knocked me out my stride here. But yeah, oh, I think I, the, the main concern for for for, um, for Villa at Newcastle, I think. Man United's form is, you know, an obvious concern, but I do think, I just don't think they're quite as good. Um, yeah. And Tottenham, a bit ropey, aren't they, with the injuries? So. So yeah, it's going to be an exciting. I think it's going to be look. It's going to be a really exciting title race. It's hard to predict who's going to win the league. Um, I don't think Villa are in that race just yet. Um, but ask me after the Arsenal and Man City game, they might, we might have a different opinion. Yeah, I mean, these are, myself and Sam Tai covered it last week. Covered the fixtures that are coming up on, on this channel. Go back and watch that video if you haven't watched it already. But you know, it's a really they're, they're two really exciting games. Those two home, two next two home league games at Villa Park. I absolutely cannot wait for them. Got forty four replies to my tweet about where do we think Villa are going to finish from people that I assume listen to the pod. So I just rattle through a, a few of them. TK says I think third, win the next three then we win the league. I'm not sure how much of that tweet is uh, is is serious. George Smiley says, we're going to get beaten badly away by good teams, but my word, can we match good to medium teams? The progress from a few years ago is quite insane. Sean Kowalenko says, fourth, Liverpool, City and Arsenal be top three, then fourth between Villa, Spurs, Newcastle and Man U. And Villa have the best manager of the four teams and, and have the best squad, in my opinion. That's probably yeah, I think that's a really, uh, I think that's a really, yeah, sensible um, prediction and, and and accurate. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I, I it fits in similarly with what, with what you were saying. But obviously, adds the manager thing as well. I, I would agree with that. I think, yeah. I think outside of Pep and Klopp, Villa have the best manager in the in the Premier League. That it's it's almost fact. You know, there's a few tweets yeah. going around about Emery being the. Uh, I think uh, I can't remember, completely forgotten the journalist's name. He tweeted about. Um, you know, there's no doubt Emery is the manager of of 2023. He's he's absolutely correct. He's the mm. only correct answer. Yeah. I don't think there's anyone else up there in but 2023. Eddie Howell's done well, hasn't he? To be fair. Yeah. But, you know, they were they had a good 2022, which obviously helped them going into 2023. Villa had a bad 2022, yeah. somehow qualified for Europe, and then somehow have just turned into this, this team. <laughs> yeah, that, is he with two points off the top now, Greg? Going into December, two points off the top. And watching the Man City-Liverpool game being a draw and thinking, that's a good result for Villa. If we could, we yeah, could. I was thinking the same. I was thinking That's the same. It's, it's quite, it's quite interesting as well, isn't it? Sort of the, um, the opinion of, of, of you know the more national and, and global sort of audience, and you, you listen to the, some of the commentators after the, 
for Man City and Liverpool draw, and they say, "Oh, Arsenal and Arsenal and Tottenham will be really happy with that." And I'm kind of thinking, oh, well, I know so, that I really, so really irritated me. That <laughs> you know, if you, if you say in Tottenham, it's Villa are in exactly the same boat, if not more now. Yeah, so. Horrible, horrible commentary. Come on, be <laughs> better than that. Craig Fenema, I'm not sure I pronounced his name right. Here, it says, "Depends how we strengthen in January, as our schedule will need a bit more depth than if." In the, I don't really that bit, and if they hit the ground running. But a team with confidence and belief is dangerous. I liked straight after the whistle had gone. You saw Ollie mouth into the crowd, two points off the top. I can't say I saw that myself, actually. I've been saying about January, I really don't see Villa doing anything. I don't know how much you know about the, the transfer plans, but I can't say that Villa are going to do anything in January because they didn't really in last January other than Moreno. I just think knowing that they might be potentially Champions League next season and how hard January is, I don't think Villa will do anything because they might think in the summer we can use that money to get a really high-level player if we are in the Europa League or we are in the, in the Champions League. And also, we've spoke about squad depth. I don't really think Villa need to do anything at the moment. I think they're pretty well covered. No, and look, you know, me and Jacob are writing about FFP um, this week. So, you know, with, with Everton's 10-point deduction, we haven't we haven't done a podcast since that, have we? So no. the rest of the league, you know, are very alert uh, and aware of FFP now. So... If Villa can have a January where they perhaps bring a bit of it, bring a bit of money back into the club and don't have to spend too much, then I think that would be you know looked upon favourably and, and certain certainly um, good for the accounts because Villa have spent a lot of money over the years. Now they've brought back brought a fair bit in um, over the summer with some of the academy graduates moving on. But we'll go into a lot more detail about this um, you know in the Athletic this week, I think. Um, but yeah, I don't see any real areas of weakness. You know, Zaniolo still there, isn't he? And um, you know, Longley hasn't really been needed much. The, the, the two loan players. So, if Villa wants, you know, maybe another attacking option if they can get somebody in on loan, that that might give them another edge. In, in if they're still in the Europa Conference League and perhaps still in the FA Cup or, or however you want to look at it, um, or still pushing for the top four, um, you know, they might just need maybe maybe one more. Um, creative spark but yeah I, I don't see the real need I think they've got a very strong squad now with plenty of players to turn to No I was out on Friday night and talking to someone about Grealish and FFP actually and Villa hadn't have sold Grealish for 100 million you know what would Villa getting deducted what Villa hadn't sold the stadium back to their owners yeah, <laughs> they wouldn't they'd uh... have been they'd have been deducted so you know they've had a couple of close calls they sold the stadium which you know brought which got them up basically uh, back to the owners you know clever but within the rules um, uh, procedure, and then Grealish, hundred million, Chukwemeka, twenty million. You know, those those are big sales, really. And 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 I know that going into this summer, Villa were looking at perhaps having to move on a you know a, a top player for for a substantial amount of money. In the end, they got create got quite creative with it, and were able to sell Archer, Philogene, Aaron Ramsey, uh, and Keenan Davis. You know, all Coutinho's for pure profit gone and, well, and got it? rid of Coutinho. But, you know, they, they did move a fair few on, if you think of it. Yeah, a fair I mean, bit of money in. So they've got to keep, they've got to keep doing that. But there's absolutely no panic at the moment. There's no need for, for Suiris and, and Edens to have to sell a big player to, to, fit in, in, to fit in with the rules or to break up this Villa team. They want to build this team. They want to continue building. Um, but, you know, sales are inevitable. They they will happen. And that's what happens at all clubs now. Yeah, I mean, I'm wary of talking about FFP with you because the last time we did this, <laughs> it didn't go down well at all. But I, I will say what you said that day turned out to be completely correct. 
So I don't think anyone can argue with it. And, you know, the way we've just spoken about it now is is fact. But I honestly, I'm not even saying it's just FFP bass because I don't think it is. I just don't think Villa will buy anyone in January. Mm. I really don't think so. Sometimes when you buy someone, as well, it disrupts the squad. I think sometimes you're doing more harm than good bringing in a bringing in a new signing in, in January when you've kind of got that togetherness and everything's going well. And Villa's best eleven is well, best ten is usually set, set in stone, isn't it? I think that will be nine when when Moreno's fit. I think him and Dean will will rotate a, li- a little bit more. But sometimes bringing in someone else disrupts the apple cart and upsets the apple cart. Sorry, and I I just don't think Villa will do it. I really don't think we'll be active in January at, at all. And to be honest, every time I've gone on Sky Sports News for the transfer windows, never been able to speak about Villa because we never do anything. <laughs> you know, we we done all our business early last time, so I didn't get to speak about us in the in in, in the summer either. But yeah, I just don't envisage a busy January either way, outgoings or incoming. No, I think Villa, I think I Villa are better so. off keeping as is. I don't think so. I think you know history always shows that um, Sawiris and Edens are, are willing to to put the money in the pocket if they need to. If you know they need to be flexible. Remember when. Wesley and Tom Heaton got injured, didn't they, the one year? Um, McGinn got injured just before one yeah. of the, uh, you know, one year. So they're always willing to, you know, be flexible. Um, but I think Villa will be planning now for the long term and looking at the summer and looking at options of who they can bring in. You know, Nico Williams, a, a player that they've looked at, will be out of contract in the summer. Could he be a potential good free, but um, somebody who's worth, you know, a significant amount of money. But if he doesn't extend his contract at left at Bilbo, uh, Bilbao, then Bilbao. Um, <laughs> that's you. You're Rocky in the background, Rocky Balboa. <laughs> um, if he doesn't extend his contract to Bilbao, then you know um, he might be a, an option that they that they go back in for. So we'll see. But yeah, I expect a relatively quiet uh, January. But look, there are lots of games coming up, so things can happen. You know, got to be got to hope that Villa have a clean bit of health up through December and into Christmas. I'm wary about how we've ended this podcast because people don't like FFP and they love transfers. And I've literally, we've literally just talked about FFP and then said Villa won't buy anyone. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're not clickbait over here, are no, we? No, we'll just upset everyone. We talk the truth. Okay. Yeah. yeah talking of talking of uh, clickbait and journalists and whatnot, Greg, have you got a press box archive for us this week? Oh, yeah, I suppose we have. We didn't really mention John McGinn much, did we, this week? So um, no. Playing with a poorly bum, wasn't he? he took a few, took a few digs to the bottom, he said, after the game. <laughs> No, I just think it's a, it's just a little bit of a good time to maybe celebrate John McGinn. I think, um, you know, as a journalist, when you get offered interviews or where you request interviews, you know, not written, there aren't that many sort of interesting footballers about anymore. But when you get John McGinn, you know that you're always going to have a good time with him and he's going to do a good interview. Um, and I just think back to that day where he signed uh, for for Villa and we were in the, the old media room as it was at, at Bodymore Heath and... I remember asking him the question, what do you think, uh, what, what's your role? What's your role going to be at the club? And he said, to give the ball to Jack Grealish. And I just thought, oh, that's a, that's that was quite an interesting answer. And then sort of as the interviews went on, you know, he, he's always good for a sort of funny and quirky line. And um, there just aren't many footballers like that. And I think we often see the players that are uh, interviewed after games and it's quite monotonous and quite boring, isn't it? You know, I, yeah, I scored, but... It was good to get the three points, you know, very much like that. But McGinn is very different. And uh, a couple of couple of other quotes I remember was he did an interview with the Times and he said, uh, it was again about he's talking with Jack Grealish and he said he's, he's you know, they're very different people. Looks-wise, they were a little bit different, but combined, they were a 12 out of 20. And I thought that was a classic John McGinn line. Um, and then there was, there was one final one last season when, when uh, Villa beat Newcastle 3-0 and Callum Wilson had said 
previously going into the game that the way that they were going to stop the on fire Villa was to send the fire brigade. And uh, me, me and my colleague, uh, Matt, Matt Mayer from the Express and Star, we, we spoke to John McGinn after the game and we said, well, what, what did you make of uh, Callum Wilson's comments? And he, and he said, honestly, I, I didn't hear them, but like the rest of the emergency services at the moment, the fire brigade must be on strike. And it was brilliant, just a brilliant quote because at that time it was when the NHS were all um, were all on strike. So yeah, long live John McGinn and yeah, lots more uh, lots more times of him. He's, he's great value. He's grown into a leader as well. I, I've noticed a few bits of subtle leadership recently and in the post-match interview on, on Sky yesterday. He kind of went out of his way to reference Yuri Tillemans, which I thought that was a real captain's mm. thing to, to do the way, because that wasn't the question he was asked at all, but he kind of just moved it back around and made sure he mentioned Tillemans, which says to me maybe he was upset not to be starting, but made sure as captain I mentioned him that he did help turn that game. And I've noticed a few little subtle things he's done like that. When, when he's talking, I, I didn't think McGinn should have been my captain when when he was under, under Gerard. I was quite annoyed with the way it happened, actually, with Tyro Mings at, at that time. There's no doubt in now he's a superb captain, John McGinn. He's really grown into into the role and he's on top of his game as well. And like you say, long live John McGinn because he's a, a massive part of this football club. And it's nice to see someone that's been there so, so long and given so much to the cause and was part of the team that ultimately got got Villa back into into the Premier League. It's great to see him still there. Great to see him captain and, and great to see him thriving because he's so unique and he's always good to, to listen to as well. So, yeah, I've really enjoyed those little bits of sort of leadership that he's thrown in in, in recent weeks as well. He's really grown into a, a superb captain and long mate. Continue. Right then, Greg, let's go. Thank you very much to you for joining me as always. Always a pleasure to talk to you. And thank you to NordVPN for continuing to sponsor the pod with Greg and myself. It really does help the channel. So thanks very much to them. Try and do a preview show ahead of Europe on Thursday. I'll get on the on the phone to Greg's colleague Jacob. He likes to do the European European pods. We'll get him on, and I'll have a chat with him before Thursday. I suspect nothing else to cover really. Hopefully, everyone's enjoyed it. Thanks for the interactions on social media, telling me where you think Villa will finish. Obviously, I read out a few. We'll continue to try and involve the audience as much as possible in this show because Greg and I enjoy the interactions and we really enjoy doing the show. Have a good evening. I think by the time this podcast comes out, most of your evening will be over. But yeah, have a great one. Up the Villa. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.